Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 23rd, 2020, including a new Xbox Series X trademark has been discovered, a new Cyberpunk 2077 Xbox One X is on the way, the next Far Cry game may be seeing the return of a beloved antagonist, and more. Episode 46, baby. I always told myself if this if this podcast makes it to 46 episodes, that's when I know I'll be legit. 40, 45 is a... Yeah. So, a little update on last week, my gamer score conundrum that I was going over with the whole uneven gamer score. Just to clarify, I know I know the difference between an odd, an odd and an even number. I understand, you know, one, three, five, seven, these are odd numbers. Two, four, six, these are even numbers. I'm a middle school dropout, but I at least got through that much math. So, but let me let me elaborate. Just for those who don't understand, odd gamer score is considered anything that can fuck your up your gamer score from its standard and ending number of a five or a zero so basically if you if, if your gamer score ends in a one or a two or a three or a four or a six seven eight nine that is odd gamer score regardless of the numbers two four six and eight an even gamer score would just be gamer score ending in a five or a zero i think pretty much anyone listening to this podcast gets the concept you've played enough xbox to know your gamer score should end in a five or a zero or, or something's up but nonetheless I fixed it. I, I fixed my gamer score. I uh, I took. Oh, it took a little longer than it should have, to be honest. But like I said, I was gonna do. I tried Dead Island Remastered or whatever it's called, Definitive Edition on Xbox One. It's on. It's on Game Pass. So I just downloaded that sucker, and I, I stupidly was trying to get the achievement for complete all of Act One, which is worth 24 gamer score or something like that, and it would have put me just at you know. It, that with my one odd gamer score number would have put me at like 25 so my gamer score would have been even uh, and then after about like an hour of like I don't want to play this game this game sucks I hate Dead Island I was like oh shit look at this there are two easier achievements I could probably knock out in like 20 minutes and they're each worth 12 gamer score which equals 24 which is what I'm going for you know four additional gamer score to even me out to get my my gamer score number ending in one to go to a five or zero so now, now you now you understand the odd and even gamer score concept, but I, I knocked it out after um, wasting an hour of my life playing Dead Island. I, I figured out I got this one achievement where you just get in a vehicle and run over 50 zombies, so I did that. I, I just drove around and killed 50 zombies, and then I got this other one, which is basically just at the very beginning, the first thing you do in the game is you walk outside this room, you go down a hallway, and then you open this door, and there's like a weird one of those like quick timing event things to open a door if you if you hit it just right if you nail the way you open the door you get an achievement worth 12 gamer score because dead island's an awful game with stupid achievements and i got that one it took me a couple tries and then boom i was done my gamer score is fixed i immediately first thing i did was i went woo that's off my plate and i deleted dead island off my console and that's and that's gone but yeah i just wanted to relay that happy news that my gamer score hey I know we're all worried about about this COVID nineteen. People are losing their jobs. People are people are getting sick. People are hurting out there. The world's a, a weird place. You know things are weirder than they've ever been before. But hey, my gamer score is fixed. So there's that. All right, and then we'll um, jump into some of our comments, shoutouts from our previous episode from last week. First one comes from Mr. David White, who says, "Looks at my wall of press start trophies. Sweats profusely." That's right. Damn right, David. You, you better not be one of those fuckers who just buys Xbox games for the press start, five gamer score achievements, and then and then just dips and waits for the next game because those people are real turds. Our next comment here comes from Josiah DeRosa, my brother, who says, in regards to our Halo Infinite story last week, he says, The Banished Hunter is the most bittersweet news in history. I'm so much more excited for their return than the Covenant or the Prometheans, but Halo Wars 3, sad crying emoji times five. Sorry to break it to you, but there's just no chance in hell we're getting a Halo Wars 3. It's a miracle by God that there was ever even a Halo Wars 2, but Halo Wars 2 sold very poorly, and there's no chance in hell of a Halo Wars 3, which is a crying shame because Halo Wars 2 is an excellent game that was criminally underrated and underplayed, but so is, so is the case with a lot of Xbox games, especially these days. So yeah, 
But the next comment here comes from Lethal Migraine in response to my shocking news that I'm playing a Japanese game by the name of Yakuza. He says, I started Yakuza on PS4, but the controller is disgusting. Uh, referring to the PS4 controller. I'm really happy some of the Yakuza games are coming to Xbox. I agree with you, or I seem with you, or I agree with you. The game is fun and quite charming. Uh, yeah, Yakuza is a good time. I'm surprised anyone in this audience uh, knew that those games existed or had played them before. So that's cool to hear from you on that, Lethal Migraine. I'm glad you enjoy those games. And now you can use a beautiful, not disgusting Xbox controller. I don't personally think the PS4 controller is disgusting, but I definitely think it is significantly uh, less adequate than the Xbox controller. Although I will say the PS4 controller is by far the best PlayStation controller uh, so far. And not that I, you know, I mean, obviously I haven't used a dual sense, the PlayStation 5 controller, but I, th I thought the PS4 controller was a big step up from especially the PS3, the DualShock 3 controller, which was quite honestly ass. The, the DualShock 3 was by the time we got to the PS3, that, that form factor was so dated, but this is besides the point, this is not a PlayStation podcast, just putting that out there. But I, I do like the PS4 controller, just not as much as the Xbox One controller. Anyway, next comment, D Dead Captain James comes in. He goes, hey, I've been gaming on, on this Xbox profile since 2008, and I only have 70,000 gamer score. Multiplayer games have killed my gamer score during the 360 generation. I used to only play multiplayer and never played single-player games. I agree with this 100,000%. I can I can relate to this 100,000%. It's like when, when Xbox 360 first came out, it was like, what is this achievement thing? Oh, my God, this is fun. This is addictive, and we did it, and we got a bunch of gamer score and then we kind of settled in midway through the generation it was just like and eh, i'm gonna go home and play halo 3 left for dead and call of duty world at war nazi zombies every night for the foreseeable future and never get any more gamer score because i just keep playing the same games over and over and over again so i get that um so it's a lot of people probably got turned off from gamer score around that time when they realize you know if you're the kind of person who plays a few multiplayer games as opposed to a bunch of single player games or you know things like that then you might you might the, the meta game of of gamer score might start to kind of lose lose its its luster so to speak but you know for all of those that lost time in the 360 days playing multiplayer games not getting gamer score i feel like now we have the time to make up for all that lost time because you can just download a bunch of fucking games off Game Pass and get easy gamer score left and right. I mean, in the time since Game Pass has been out, in the two years since we've had Game Pass, I'm pretty sure my gamer score has like shot up like 15, 20,000 points just because it's so easy to just download and try all these new games and get easy gamer score from all that. So in the long run, it might kind of even itself out, but that is a good point that gamer that multiplayer gaming can kind of f really fuck with gamer score. So I like to use that as an excuse for why I don't have more. Uh, and then we'll keep him with Dead Captain James. We're not done with you yet. He says, my next door neighbors are casual gamers. They play on Xbox and have never heard of Game Pass until I told them about it. Casuals only seem to know about the massive AAA games. This is an interesting point because, you know, for the longest time I kept saying, I feel like Game Pass isn't marketed well enough and not enough people know about it. But then sometime around the release of Gears 5 last year, I feel like Xbox really did start to push appropriately to kind of get the message of Game Pass out there. And I feel like the industry started kind of taking it seriously. And there's just this random like tipping point last year, it feels like, where like game sites and YouTubers and just people in the games industry finally kind of started going, you know what? I, I guess Game Pass is kind of a legitimate thing. It really is a good service. It, it's a, it can't be ignored. And so I feel like it has a lot more name to it now than it did, you know, a year ago. But I, I do agree with you. Like if I go to if I go to work, if I'm talking to my coworkers who are talking about how PS4 is better than Xbox One because GTA is on PS4, you know, if I talk to those kinds of people and I, I say, what well, what do you think about Game Pass? They're probably gonna be like uh, what's Game Pass? And I'm gonna say it's like it's like a Pornhub subscription for your Xbox. It makes gets you all the naked pictures of Master Chief, it, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I've never heard of that. PlayStation's better because uh, it has PS Now, and you can play PlayStation Three games streamed and have laggy Uncharted One." But yeah, I mean, this is definitely this is definitely an optical hurdle for Microsoft, or not an optical hurdle. This is definitely a hurdle in general for Xbox as a brand because. Game Pass is like the bread and butter in their future um, because that's the way they anticipate people playing their games for the most part. So it's really important that they get the wording out there and they get people to subscribe to the service. And I think we're going to see that come in time, especially as, you know, Game Pass becomes more of a thing on, on PC and mobile devices. And once, you know, I, I think the big thing is the Series X. Once once you have your next generation console, the thing is people people kind of 
hit the refresh button on what a platform is. You know, if maybe maybe you're an Xbox gamer and you don't know everything about what PlayStation has to offer, but when the next PlayStation console comes out, you're going to be so intrigued by the idea of a next generation console, you kind of hit the refresh page on what is PlayStation doing on their platform, you know? What is Microsoft So if you're not in, if you're not an Xbox gamer completely in the know about what all Xbox has to offer, you know, the intrigue, the inherent intrigue of the Xbox Series X is going to force a lot of people, both casual and hardcore gamers, to say, you know, what what is Xbox doing? What is their next console look like? What all does that entail? And I think with Game Pass being a huge part of that message, it will be a good opportunity for a lot of people who don't already know about Game Pass to become acquainted with it. So I think the next console is a really crucial moment for getting Game Pass into the heads and the hands of many gamers to come. But I do agree that there does seem to be an issue where Xbox gamers are all over Game Pass. They think it's great. They all have it. They, you know, whatever. They're living in their little bubble. But really, outside of the games community, specifically the Xbox community, I, I've never heard someone talk about Game Pass. I've never heard, you know, I've never heard someone like Kanye West has never like gotten up on stage and interrupt someone accepting a reward to be like, hey, I'm going to let you finish. But first, I got to tell you about Xbox Game Pass. So. That is a hurdle for Microsoft. And then our last comment comes from Lethal Migraine, who says, It'd be cool if Xbox bought Crytek. Rise was a beautiful-looking game, just needed some more dev time. Lethal Migraine, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, just because as much as I like want to knee-jerk say, Oh, yeah, go ahead, buy Crytek. I, I don't know about Crytek. That's a developer. I'm like, I, I never played Crisis, to be fair. So, you know, I'm going to try with this new remaster. But I, I feel like their their games are all, like, visual appeal and not much substance. Um, I never, I, I didn't really care for like old school Far Cry. I prefer Ubisoft's like Far Cry 3, 4, 5. Um, and then Rise, I played half of it and thought, wow, this is a really boring game. It's like the only Xbox One exclusive I have no intention of playing all the way through. I don't know. Microsoft's portfolio isn't lacking in the, I don't know. Maybe it is. I, I think the kinds of games Crytek makes could be good for Xbox. But at the same time, I feel like they just lack this like, kind of sheer polish, not polish, but this kind of charm that make it so distinctively, you know, something that represents a console. I don't know. To me, it's like Crytek games feel very third party. Something about like when Rise came out on the Xbox One as a launch title, it didn't feel like an exclusive game. It didn't feel like, I, I mean, I know it's a second party game. I know it was a console exclusive, but it felt very like multi-platform to me, if that makes sense. Whereas like, Titanfall, when that came to Xbox One, that felt like the the true first exclusive to the Xbox One. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying shit. But for whatever reason, I'm just not a big Crytek fan. I I personally don't like the idea of them in the Xbox family. But who gives a shit what I think? If you guys like Crytek, let's let's go make a change change.org petition and and get Microsoft to go buy Crytek because. Uh, because who cares what I think? And then that's going to do it for our comments. Shout out. Sorry that that took longer than than earlier. We'll, we'll jump into what I've been playing. And then we'll jump into what you're all here for. That sexy, spanky, and salty news. But first, before I can tell you what I've been playing, I've got to tell you what I've been eating. So, yeah, this is the week where I finally started to cave in, you know. This is the week where I was like, you know, my job is all about making me go out and, and interact with people and get coronavirus. I really don't have a choice. It's either get paid or get sick. So... I'm out here, you know, I'm touching people, I'm doing germs, I'm doing what I gotta do to survive, but I'm I'm basically giving up on the, I mean, I still try to stay home as much as possible, you know, when I'm not at work, but I said, fuck it, I miss, I miss food too much, I miss good food, I'm going to Chili's, I'm going to TGI's, and I've, I've, I've been using some rewards points and some coupons I've had saved up to order a little bit of Chili's and TGI Fridays to go here and there, and I gotta be honest with you guys, I know I've always been a TGI man through and through, but... Chili's really is really on their game when it comes to their to go. They uh the way they make mobile ordering and online ordering and curbside pickup work, it's just so fluent. It's so modern, it works so easily. Their app is so up to date, it's so it's so intuitive. But TGI Fridays with all due respect, the app's a little lackluster. It's always signing you out. It's kind of shitty. It's kind of dated. It's definitely not optimized for modern mobile devices. And honestly, their to-go method is just kind of shitty. If I want to redeem my reward saved to my account, I got to call the store and mo- order over the phone. I don't want to talk to a human. The whole reason I want to order on my app is so I don't want to engage with another human being. But no, if I want to use my rewards from TGI Fridays, I got to call the store. I got to read them the barcode number of my rewards. And I got to pay over the phone by reading them my credit card. It's just like... 
guys, this is not 2007 anymore, okay? This is this is not how shit's done. We're going to we're going to order to go, but we're going to order to go like civilized people where I hit a bunch of buttons and and then do Google Pay and then I never see the person on the other side until I pick up my food and then I just peel out of the driveway with, you know, all my trans fats in tow. But that's just not uh, that's just not how TGI does things. Now, no offense to their food. TGI's food is is to die for. It's 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 the king. But also, I was pretty impressed. You know, it's been a long time since I've had chilies, and I was pretty impressed with the chilies menu. With uh, just judging by their to go food, but you know, they they still both have a place in my heart. I just gotta say, chilies been it's been climbing up the ranks a little bit. Mostly mostly in part to its its a game when it comes to to go. So. TGI, get to work. You got some catching up to do. Now, what I've been playing, the the less interesting thing, um, I finished Yakuza 0. It's a 30-plus hour game. It's a 30-hour game, roughly. I don't know how I beat it in, like, eight or nine days. I was just... This is the most, like, enthralled in a... I know I was speaking very highly of Red Dead Redemption 2, but Red Dead Redemption 2 was a game I knew I wanted to play. Whether or not I was going to love it or hate it, it was a game I knew I wanted to play. Yakuza is the first example in a long time of a game where I've been like, eh, Let's give it a try, fully expecting to, like, give up on it two or three hours into it, but actually ended up loving to death and, like, being so engrossed by it that I couldn't put the controller down. Uh, yeah, I just, I plowed through Yakuza, and it was fantastic. I, I loved every second of it. Great story. Uh, it's got it's got some tear-jerk moments. It's got some weird co- Japanese quirky comedic moments. It's really cool story. It's really unique. Um, the gameplay is really unique. Just everything about that game is a very stellar, individual, just nothing like it kind of experience. And um, actually, this week, Yakuza Kiwami, Kiwami, uh, the remake of the first game, just came to Game Pass this week. So it looks like I'll be jumping into that in the near future. Kind of perfect timing, honestly. But if yeah, again, if you've never tried the Yakuza games, it might be something worth looking into. Is a very is a very non traditional kind of game for the Xbox market, which I think is a perfect reason to should tr- try it out. You know, Phil. Spencer's being very aggressive about getting Japanese games on this platform. Fantasy Star Online 2 just came out. We got Yakuza 0. Go go get outside of your comfort zone. Put down your Call of Duty and your Mountain Dew, you goddamn um, you goddamn Xbox gamer, you X-bot, and go give go give our our friends from the East a try, you know? Go try some of that raw fish they call Yakuza 0. And that's what I've been playing this week. Now we're going to finally jump into the news. Now that I've made you endure 20 minutes of me literally saying nothing. Our first story this week it comes from Windows Central, and it is that Microsoft has trademarked a new logo for the Xbox Series X that has begun surfacing over the internet. Found by some people on the Xbox Series X subreddit, the official trademark listing was filed last week on April 16th and features a vertical lettering alongside of the familiar X symbol we saw debut with the Xbox One packaging or Xbox One X packaging. The trademark covers applications ranging from almost everything you can think of. Software, hardware, electronics, lighting, watches, keychains, kites, plushes, consoles, gaming, games, shirts, shoes, school bags, gloves, whatever. It's worth a guess that this logo could appear on the retail package for the Series X, which could be a little more different than usual given its interesting form factor. It probably won't be long until the Xbox Series S trademark begins to surface as well. So I don't know if you guys saw this. It's basically like a giant X, um, but the left side of the X, the slash on the left, it's like a solid line. And then the one on the right is kind of like the top and bottom part with the middle part kind of being missing. And then to the left of that, all within the same frame, it says series along the left-hand side, kind of standing vertically. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it. I don't really know how to talk about, I don't really know how to describe graphic art uh, to you at all, but... I, I can't really recall where we saw this before. It says somewhere with the Xbox One X we saw this at one point. I don't remember that. Um, but I got to be honest, this this logo doesn't really fit the current aesthetic of Xbox, in my opinion, or any of Microsoft's current design aesthetic that they've been doing with, with Windows 10 at all. It's just a very, uh, just a thing of its own, and that's fine. I don't think the logo looks bad. I think it looks a little, I don't know, it doesn't look very distinctively Xbox, and it doesn't look very exciting, but it does look kind of cool and premium, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really one to get bogged down in things like this, like logos. I mean, I do appreciate nice design aesthetic, and and I've always been a fan of the Xbox branding and logos, but I don't know. This is one of those things where I had to see really exactly in what context they they plan on implementing this, and because I'm not really fully understanding of this. We got the Xbox Series X reveal, and it seemed like they were keeping in line with the exact same aesthetic that the Xbox One generation has had thus far, 
to the point where like the glowing Xbox button on the console and the controller is the exact same one we've seen on the Xbox One console. So I'm not really sure where this this logo goes, if it's on commercials and like the box for the console. Um, but I mean, who who gives a shit really? I mean, this is just one of those things. It's like when people were complaining about the name PlayStation 5, it's like, or the logo for PlayStation 5 being the same logo they always use. It's like, at the end of the day, you don't care about the logo. You care about, you know, the games and the console. So um, while it is cool when consoles have a good, you know, aesthetic and logo and all that to accompany it, I don't really know what to make of this. I don't really, I'm waiting until we see it kind of in marketing material to really get a feel for it. But nonetheless, it's always cool to just see a little bit of these little teases of more information regarding our the, the next the next big console that we were going to spend, you know, our 20s or our 30s, however old you are, using religiously. So that's uh that's more on the Xbox Series X. I just I I can't really be bothered with this again until I see it used in more of like a practical application, like let me see a t-shirt or a box or a commercial with this logo. Uh, but yeah, just seeing a picture of this logo on, from the patent, is just like, uh, okay. But yeah, our next story here is a Halo 1, so yay. Halo developer 343 Industries has officially begun its uh, first PC test flight for Halo 2 Anniversary. Invites have been sent out to Halo Insiders through email and through Halo Waypoint. The test flight includes single-player and co-op campaign, matchmaking, custom games, theater, and customization options. A brand new challenge system has also been implemented to encourage players to complete certain objectives in exchange for experience rewards. Those looking for a chance to join the cause can join the Halo Insider program still for a chance to get an an invite. The game will eventually release both standalone and via the Master Chief Collection on Windows 10, Game Pass for PC, and Steam. You may have seen this, it kind of feels like old news is broke right after last week's episode went up. But uh, yeah, a bunch of people are streaming, have been streaming this as of late. It looks like Halo 2 Anniversary is just about ready to go on the Master Chief Collection for PC. So it shouldn't be long until we see that launching. And if you want to get in on the test flight, you just got to sign up on Halo Waypoint. It will ask you for like what kind of PC specs you have. And then you'll get an invite code. I assume it's not hard to get one. But yeah, if you want to check that out. Uh, but it seems like the Halo 2 anniversary is imminent release wise on PC, but so I'm trying to think about this, this news, I I mean like this, it's in it in and of itself is like, okay, we knew this was on the way. It's Halo 2. Cool. Uh, but what's really interesting about this is like, what is their, what is their game plan for getting Halo on PC? Because now that I think of it, it's like, okay, so Halo Reach kind of had, uh, came out in December. We had that big little resurgence for a minute there where everyone pretended they cared about Halo again for a minute. It was nice. I felt alive for a moment there because people were talking about a gaming franchise that I really adore. In fact, the gaming franchise I love the most. And it was awesome. And then it was short-lived. And then people stopped talking about Halo. And then it seemed like, when, when was it? it was, was it one month later? Was it January or February? I think it was January that Halo 1 anniversary came to PC. And I was like, oh, that was fast. And I was like, okay, they're really going to start knocking these things out. But now it's been what, three three months since Halo 1 came to PC, and now we're getting Halo 2 pretty soon here, so it's like, you assume they're trying to get the entire Master Chief Collection on PC before Halo Infinite comes out. Halo Infinite still has a tentative holiday 2020 release date. I think that means November, so let's just play with some rough dates here. If Halo Infinite's coming out in November 2020, and right now we're about to get Halo 2 on PC, that means we still gotta get Halo... 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Halo 4 all on PC because all we have right now are 1, 2, and Reach. And so I'm trying to figure this out. You know, if the, if the game plan, I assume you do ODST last, I guess. I don't I don't know. Like, do you do 3, then ODST, then 4, or do you do 3, 4, ODST? I think maybe you go ODST before 4 because people arbitrarily just like Bungie Halo and hate 343 Halo because it's the cool opinion to have. Uh, so maybe you just try to satiate that PC audience by giving them all the ones they're told they like before you give them, you know, four, which is just as good as any other Halo. So I, I don't really know what order you do this in, but I don't know that there's enough time left between, you know, we're almost in May here, between May and November to get all these games out. So if you take that trajectory they're currently on about, I don't know, two to three months a game, it's like, all right, you probably get like Halo 3 gets uh, Halo 3 on PC maybe in let's say June, late June, and then you get ODST in like September, and then you get 4 in like I don't know because basically the way it would line up is like 
if you try to get all those games in, by the time you get to the last one, it's like around the same time Halo Infinite is launching and you want to probably have all that stuff out of the way so you can just focus on Halo Infinite. So I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm overthinking this, but you would think they want to have all that Halo shit on PC before they get to Halo Infinite. That being said, you know, it's completely leaving out Halo 5, of course, which just seemingly is never coming to PC. I, I'm a, I'm of the mindset that Halo 5 is coming to Master Chief Collection for console and PC, but that's like in a year or two. That's well after, you know, we're waiting till after Halo Infinite's happened and kind of all the excitement over that has settled because I think one, even though Halo 5 is objectively just one of the greatest games on the Xbox One, it's one of the best Halo games, you know, people have been told it's really cool to hate on Halo 5, we gotta, we gotta rag on it, even though 99% of us probably haven't even played it, so Halo 5 is kind of in this weird optic game where 343 knows they have a good game on their hands, but they also have to be careful with how they push it to people, because people don't like it, so if you can put yourself in a position where Halo Infinite comes out, people love Halo Infinite, maybe it has like a, a Breath of the Wild kind of resurgence for this franchise, and everyone thinks Halo's cool again, and everyone one starts buying an Xbox and pretending that they never gave up on Halo and it was always their favorite, then that's a good that's a good story because then you can just take Halo 5 and be like quietly push it onto PC and be like, and Halo 5 is now available on Master Chief Collection. And then, you know, you'll start to get like those Star Wars prequel revisionist historians who go, oh yeah, Halo 5 was always good. I remember I never hated it. I never made fun of the campaign. And then you can have one of those stories where it's like, cool, now people are kind of turning around on it. A lot of games have that where you know, the kind of revisionist history. Sometimes for better, too, you know. Games like Sonic Unleashed, finally, in the community at least, Sonic fans have, have turned around on on, on 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 Sonic Unleashed. They like it now, so that's a good thing. Um, so maybe Halo 5, I, I think there might be, that might be a tinfoil hat approach, but I think it's possible 343 is waiting for that to happen. They're waiting for Halo Infinite to hopefully be a success, and then once that dies down, they can be like, cool, here's Halo 5 on PC, Remember, we love all Halo. Let's not trash this one. Just boom. Because it would be really awful if, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can play all Halo on PC. You can play all Halo on Master Chief Collection, just not five. So I, they can't they can't let that be the case. So I, I'm very I'm very obsessed with this um, this release schedule for some stupid reason. But we'll move on because it's not this is not the Halo uh, Master Chief Collection speculative podcast. This is a podcast about my feelings. And God damn it, we will continue to continue to divulge them with our next story here which reads the march 2020 npd numbers are in and with them we have possibly the only positive unintended consequence of the coronavirus aside from of course light traffic on my commute to and from work uh it seems that the games industry is doing extraordinarily well right now as total game sales went up for a whopping 35 percent over march 2019 Meanwhile, the video game hardware revenue was way up to 63% growth from March 2019, with the Nintendo Switch being the best-selling console for the month, to no one's surprise. The top 20 best-selling games uh, for the month of March 2020 were in order. 1. Animal Crossing New Horizons. No shock there. 2. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. 3. MLB The Show. 4. Resident Evil 3. NBA 2K at the number 5 spot. Doom Eternal at 6. Persona 5 Royal at 7. Grand Theft Auto 5 at 8, Borderlands 3 at 9, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 10, Neo 2 at 11, Red Dead Redemption 2 at 12, FIFA 20 at 13, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at 14, um, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX at number 15, Madden NFL 20 at 16, Just Dance 2020 at 17, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order at, at 18, Mortal Kombat 11 at 19, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remastered on 20 at 20, which of course is currently only available on PS4. Still hasn't hit Xbox One quite yet. As for the best-selling Xbox One games, in order, the top 10 best-selling games on the Xbox One on Xbox One hardware were in order: one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, two, Resident Evil 3, three, Doom Eternal, four, NBA 2K20, five, Grand Theft Auto 5, six, Madden NFL 20, seven, Red Dead Redemption 2. 8, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, 9, FIFA 20, and 10, Minecraft Xbox One Edition. So the really important thing to note in all of this is that both Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Bleeding Edge 
are Xbox's most recent games that have only been out for a few weeks, neither of which were the best-selling, hit the NPD charts for either uh, Xbox One or games in general. So that is a big oopsie. Of course, it's very important to note that the NPD obviously doesn't account for the number of people playing these games. It's just for revenue generated from for each game. And games like Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Bleeding Edge are most likely being played by more Xbox-centric gamers. And as we discussed at the top of the show, along with your question, Dead Captain James, uh, the people playing these games are likely Xbox people, Xbox gamers, us hardcore badass Xbox people, the kind of people that put tattoos of X's on their wrists and their hands, but not because they're straight edge, but because they just fucking bleed direct X. So this is this is important to note that this is, again, indicative of the kind of situation we found ourselves in when we can't really tell how Xbox exclusives are doing. We saw this with Gears 5, where Gears 5 did chart on the MPD uh on the MPD for the month of September 2019 when the game came out, but we didn't know, you know, it was pretty low on the charts and we didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing because you got to assume again, a bunch of people are playing these games via um, game pass. So are the games doing well? Are the games doing poorly? And this is a, this is hard because Xbox just as a platform just keeps becoming harder and harder to really, really gauge how they're, how they're doing. Because as we all remember back in, I think it was 2014, uh, Microsoft, or I think it was in 2015. It was actually when Halo 5 came out because it, they they just start, they started burying this number along with the sales of Halo 5. I remember, so it must have been October 2015 when Microsoft started basically saying, "Hey, we're getting pummeled by the PS4 so bad in sales, we're no longer going to release sales numbers for the Xbox uh, One console." And they just started talking about like bullshit things like this new game has already achieved blank amount of hours played and, um, you know, it's already generated this much revenue. Like it just these generic bullshit numbers that really don't tell you a whole lot. Whereas, you know, Sony and most other companies, even third parties, you know, will come out there and be like, hey, our new game blank has sold X amount of copies. So. Game Pass makes this even harder for Xbox fans to divide, to divulge because now we're looking at games like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Wisps, and maybe Xbox comes out and says, "Oh yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps was a great success. It's been uh, downloaded over one trillion times and has over six hundred bajillion um, nuts dug up and achievements unlocked, and you know two billion times uh, the pause button has been pressed." during act three it's just like kind of bullshit numbers where it's like okay so we're not going to know how we're in the will of wisps is doing at all but the important thing to take away from that is if they're not going to come out and confidently say boom we sold this many units or whatever then all we need to know is without that information they're not happy with the numbers that's that's how i'm i'm forced to interpret this data because that's that's what xbox gives us um and now that's only going, going to be exacerbated by you know the relationship first party xbox games have to releasing through Game Pass. Obviously, it's a good thing in the long run for us on Xbox that we just get all these games for free via Game Pass, but it also makes it a little more challenging because, I mean, there's there's no doubt Bleeding Edge totally didn't do that well. There's I, I'm completely confident that Bleeding Edge is not performing super well, and I have no idea whether to, in, to think that Microsoft expected that or not. Again, I politely disagree with you, Lethal Migraine, about the whole not rolling out the red carpet, so to speak, on Bleeding Edge. I think Microsoft should have put a little more effort into making it known that Bleeding Edge is a thing, even though they don't have to put, you know, Gears of War, Halo money into marketing. I think they they clearly didn't push it a little harder because they really don't see it being a big hit, and they are just kind of like, hey, if this game hits and finds an audience, good. If it doesn't, we weren't expecting too much anyway. As for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, that's a sequel to a game that is really beloved critically, and now this game is really beloved critically as well. Uh, people think the world of these games. These are, uh, you know, second-party exclusives on Xbox that have really helped kind of shape the diversity conversation with the Xbox to show that, you know, Xbox can be more than just first-person shooters and racing games. Um, and it's just a really stylish, awesome Metroidvania game that people seem to be really into that's still really high on my list of, I'm sorry, I know I haven't played them yet. I'll get around to it. I have played the first few hours of the first Ori game. They're, they are cool. They're stylish. I just, it doesn't seem like people are going nuts for these games. It seems like, you know, people who play them love them. And people who don't play them just go on and play one of the 
500 bajillion other Metroidvania games that exist because literally every other game that comes out is just a Metroidvania. So not to take any of the, any of the steam and prestige from Ori, uh, the Ori franchise, but you know, that's, that's a problem it faces, you know, it's hard to sell a non Xbox gamer on the Ori franchise when they can just go play any other highly regarded Metroidvania on PlayStation switch, whatever, because they're a dime a dozen these days. So I, again, that's not, I'm not trying to speak ill of this franchise. I'm just trying to say these games didn't chart. We'd know nothing about them because everything's locked behind Game Pass and Microsoft's kind of vague uh, announcement on how their games perform. Um, but, you know, not even charting on the Xbox One MPD is a little concerning. So, yeah, I, I don't know, rant over, but it just seems like the fact that neither of these games even charted on on Xbox One is kind of uh, kind of telling. You know, think about it. They're getting, you know, Ori in the Will of the Wisps and Bleeding Edge got beaten out by Minecraft a game that's always on the MPD, but is as old as dirt by this point. It got beat out by Red Dead Redemption 2, a game that's now almost two years old. It got beaten out by Grand Theft Auto V, a game that's now like seven years old or something like that. They got beaten out by, yeah, I mean, that's it. The other games make sense on there, Resident Evil, Doom Eternal, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look good for your new games when you can't even get them to chart on just the platform alone. So I don't know what to make of that. Um, but I mean, of course, Game Pass probably plays the biggest role in this uh, in these in this data, which we can't really dig into without you know without more information. Our next story here, without me ranting, hopefully too much, is that Microsoft have re- have revealed a new Cyberpunk 2077 limited edition Xbox One X that is set to be released in June. Microsoft has teased the console as quote the final Xbox One X limited edition console to ever be released end quote. While no price has been given, it is safe to assume that the limited edition console will probably include a digital download code for the game, which of course won't be out for another three months once this console hits the market, and presumably a one terabyte hard drive. That stuff seems to be pretty standard for these kinds of bundles, so a download copy of the game and a one terabyte hard drive, that's that's what I'm expecting. I don't know, maybe you'll get the rare two terabyte hard drive limited edition, or maybe it'll be one of those weird consoles where it doesn't even, one of those weird collector's editions or deluxe editions where you don't even get a copy of the game but i i fully expect there'll be a copy of the game but anyway uh, in addition to the console uh, the standalone cyberpunk controller is being sold for 75 dollars and can be purchased right now although it seems to be selling out pretty fast so probably not additionally some other cyberpunk accessories are coming soon including the cyberpunk 2077 xbox pro charging stand for 50 dollars seagate game drives for xbox cyberpunk 2077 special edition it's two terabytes at 90 dollars five terabytes at 150 and an Arctic's One wireless headset for Xbox Johnny Silverhand Edition for $110. Uh, Johnny Silverhand, I don't know, if that is that the Keanu Reeves character? I don't know. People seem to be really into this thing, plus Microsoft has said that they're only manufacturing 45,000 of them, uh, so go ahead and get get this console while it's hot, while, while, they, while you have that stimulus check burning a hole in your wallet. So that's that. Not really too much to say on it, just... Uh, I mean, it looks cool. I've seen the pictures. It keeps popping up on... This is the Xbox news I've been seeing the most of lately, for for whatever reason. I know it's kind of a slow news week, but this is what people seem to be really into. So go ahead and look into that. The controller actually... I mean, the console looks badass altogether, but the controller is really cool as well. Um, I, I expect it all to be, like, sold out already. So sorry if you're just hearing this. You didn't know about it, and you got excited, and then you Googled it, and it was like, all gone. Fuck you. But, hey, now you know my pain back in twenty. In 2014, when I really wanted that Titanfall controller for Xbox, and it sold out super fast, and I never got one, and that's just the that's just the plight of me, the Xbox the Xbox gamer. All right, our next one here is that after a couple of tweets last week that teased an imminent announcement, Crytek have released or Crytek have revealed that Crisis Remastered is officially on the way, bringing with it high quality textures, API agnostic ray tracing for PC, PlayStation, Xbox, and for the first time, Nintendo Switch. The remaster is being co-developed by now owned by now THQ Nordic owned Saber Interactive and the release date is currently unknown but the trailer does say coming soon so we must take their word for it for the time being uh yeah Crisis Remastered is happening this is what I was really expecting I know a lot of people are hoping for a Crisis 4 I didn't want to you know lay uh, my stake in the ground quite yet last week but I, I think this was a pretty obvious that it was going to be a remake now the fact that it's just a remaster of the first game in all three it's like eh Meh. But I'm I'm kind of not expecting too much. I think some people were really expecting, you know, obviously Crisis was like, it was like a running joke forever on the internet that, you know, 
someone mentioned something about PC and you go, can it run Crisis? Because Crisis was such a powerful game that it was so, such a high, uh, it was such a high fidelity game that you had to have a really nice PC to run it. You know, now they're talking about getting this thing on the Nintendo Switch. I don't really know that they're. Uh, I mean, obviously, it'll look better on Xbox and PlayStation and PC. The fact that they're going to put a Switch port out makes me think that they're probably not putting as much effort into making this like a from-the-ground-up kind of remaster. This is going to be more of your traditional ported-over and uprise the textures, which is kind of what the, the listing describes. But, I'm, I mean, eh. if you never played Crisis, this is a good opportunity to play it. But I don't feel like this is anything super exciting. Um it seems more like Crisis just or Crytek just kind of being like, let's invigorate some interest in this brand uh, because we're working on a fourth iteration, or you know, let's kind of hit a restart because I know Crytek's a, a company that's been having some issues a little bit in the past few years. Although their last game that they released a year or two ago seems to have done pretty well, so maybe that's not so much the case. But nonetheless, if you're a Crisis fan, look forward to playing it all over again on the Xbox. Don't play it on the Nintendo Switch. You'll be like Wolfenstein. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you got it on the Nintendo Switch, but at what cost? A friend of mine recently said, hey, I'm playing Mortal Kombat on the Switch. And I said, good for you. And then he said, now I'm playing Mortal Kombat on the Xbox because it doesn't look great on the Switch. And I said, gooder for you. And yeah, that's just how it works. Don't don't play the Switch unless you're... So yeah, there, there you go. Crisis is coming back, baby. Hopefully this is... I, I mean, I, I assume this is laying the groundwork for... A Crisis 4. The interesting thing to note here, though, is that it's being self-published, I believe, I guess. It's kind of what it alludes to, but the first three Crisis games were all published by EA Games. So the fact that EA, I, I don't know what, not that I really know the details on who owned the property and in what all the publishing agreement entailed, but I'm surprised that EA doesn't have the rights to the game, or maybe EA pulled a an Activision, Bungie, Destiny kind of situation where they're just like, Go ahead, have Crisis, we don't give a shit. So, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see that EA is not involved with this in any capacity. But nonetheless, maybe that's all for the better because we know how much gamers hate EA. Remember, EA is bad. Halo 5 is bad. Uh, Souls games are good. Animal Crossing is so good. And then our next story here comes from True, True Achievements. Mo Yang has confirmed that Minecraft Dungeons will not feature online matchmaking due to the way the dungeon crawler is designed. According to the game's official FAQ page, online matchmaking for multiplayer will not feature will not be featured in Minecraft Dungeons. You can still play online with your friends, but playing with randoms isn't an option. The FAQ page reads, quote, Minecraft Dungeons is designed to be played together with your friends, either on the comfy couch or on a comfy online session, end quote. This means that there are no lobbies for players to jump into and start exploring together. This can be a little limiting for players who don't have friends interested in playing the game. Raise my hand. Mojang goes on to say that the difficulty, enemy count, and the loot scale are dependent on the number of players in a session. So if you're playing solo, you shouldn't be at a disadvantage. Crossplay is also coming at a later date. Minecraft Dungeons, of course, launches on May 26 and will be available for through Game Pass uh, on 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 to Xbox One and onto Xbox PC. Um, so this is uh, I, I kind of smell bullshit on this one. It's like what what. Uh, the fact that I don't know, I'm trying to think. Does Diablo have matchmaking? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a thing. But it's like, eh, this is one of those things that doesn't bother me too much. I'm most likely just going to end up playing this game alone anyway. But you would expect that people would want matchmaking. I don't know. I, I don't know how much this is really going to upset people. This isn't like you know the end of the world. I don't think it was expected that this game would have matchmaking. But yeah, you can you can play it with friends. You can play it with one player. Of course, as they allude to here, it's one of those games where the more players in the game, the more the difficulty will scale. It'll probably just add in more enemies, make them a little more challenging to kind of, uh, you know, make it not too easy for people with all the friends that play together. Um, but yeah, if you were looking forward to playing some Minecraft Dungeons with some randos, it sucks to be you because it's not going to be a possibility. Maybe you should make friends. Maybe you should maybe you should go to the community page for Minecraft Dungeons and say, "Hey, looking for a group to play with." Uh, just kidding. You can't match make. You got to add them to your friends. You got to add them. So that's a little disappointing. Uh, I guess this isn't really much of a big news story. It's just kind of a side note. I don't again don't really know that anyone was looking forward to that specific feature on this game, but. They they have it. If you were planning on playing the game online, you gotta get some you gotta get some friends together. You maybe maybe go on Fiverr and pay someone to be your friend for a day. Not that I've done that before. And then our next game story here, our next story about video games is that IGN reports GameStop has announced business updates and 
and it plans to reopen stores and cut executive salaries in response to COVID-19, just when you thought we got away from all the coronavirus news. After initially keeping some stores open in defiance of certain state government orders, the shutdown of all non-essential businesses, GameStop retail locations eventually transitioned to a curbside pickup-only model that keeps its employees and customers safe from coronavirus. Uh, GameStop CEO George Sherman stated that, quote, since we since we closed stores to the public on March 22nd through omni-channel fulfillments, uh, we have retained over 90% of our planned sales volume in two-thirds of our stores that are conducting curbside operations. That's actually pretty surprising here. Um, it says, in its latest movement, Sherman announced salary reductions for our senior management team and board of directors, as well as wage rate reductions for some uh, other corporate and field support staff, end quote. GameStop is also offering certain employees an option to work under a half-time, half-pay structure or temporarily fur- or temporary furlough program. Sherman is taking a temporary uh, base salary reduction of 50%, meaning he's still getting still getting bonuses. Look into that. While CFO Jim Bell and the rest of the executive leadership team will be taking a temporary 30% cut. The board of directors has also reduced cash compensation to directors by 50%. Certain other employees will see their pay temporarily reduced by 10 to 30%. Oh, no, Reggie fils uh, GameStop, as previously mentioned, shut down one-third of its stores. Uh, with the others adopting a curbside pickup model, the company has now begun the process of opening stores in Italy, Germany, and Austria, while South Carolina and Georgia are preparing a potential reopening in the coming weeks. Australia, on the other hand, has had none of its stores closed, and it's seen strong results continuing with approximately a 24% comparable store sales for the nine weeks ended April 4th, 2020. The company as a whole in the nine weeks period ended in April 4th has seen its sales decline approximately 23% year over year, which is awful because they've already been declining year over year like crazy. GameStop currently quarters around 5,500 stores across uh, 14 countries, and as of April 4th, it has $772 million in cash and liquidity. So basically... I'm actually a little surprised how well uh, GameStop is still doing, all things considered, um, during this COVID situation. Um, but they're obviously not doing well. Business is still dropping. It just seems like they were able to, I don't know, I guess stay afloat a little better than some other businesses. But that's what happens when you do the curbside, when you say, hey, employee health and employee well-being, fuck you. Come back come back to work. This is one of those business models where you, you say it's safe for the customer and the employee. It's not, but it's uh, it allows you to keep making money. But the the big point here is that obviously you know Sherman's taking a temporarily base cut uh, reduction of fifty percent. You know base salary reduction here means that they can still make bonus checks and things like that. Although I don't know how the hell anyone at at, at GameStop right now is taking a a, bon- a bonus check or anything like that because. This company isn't doing well enough for anyone to get any kind of incentive other than just their base salary. Uh, but nonetheless, that that sticks out to me just because that probably means these his total income hasn't been reduced by 50 percent. But on the other hand, they're more than willing to reduce the uh, the other workers' wages by ten to thirty percent, and those people sure as hell ain't getting bonuses or anything like that. Um, so that sucks even extra dick for them. Um, but. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I know when when all this started really going down, I said GameStop, mark my words, is going to be like the first one to really get fucked over in all this. It seems like they uh, they managed to snake by enough to kind of not get as hurt as some other companies did, which is, you know, for better or for worse, good for the people who keep their jobs, bad for a company that practices some, some bad um, ethics, some bad business stuff, and kind of deserves to go away. But nonetheless, it uh, looks like, you know, they're still kind of in the shitter. They're still dropping year over year, which is no surprise. And uh, this is just more nonsense that's going to keep them afloat for a couple extra days. But I'm telling you, these guys are, you know, we're on the countdown. We're, we're at the point where GameStop shouldn't be a lot around much longer. And uh, they're, they're just hanging on for dear life here. But we'll see what happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be like Chuck E. Cheese and we'll just kind of stick around forever, even though everyone thought it was doing bad. Uh, but our next story here, our wrap-up story, comes from Windows Central. It is that the Far Cry franchise has been a staple of Ubisoft's for years now, but most fans consider uh, the third entry released in 2020, 2012 rather, to be the best. Despite some solid releases since, most agree that the franchise has begun to slowly wane in terms of excitement and badass villainy. However, it seems that it seems like Ubisoft is returning to its roots with the next entry, and we may see a familiar villain. According to IGN, the iconic villain Voss 
may be reprising his role. During a Reddit AMA, uh, Michael Mont... Michael Mondo said the following, the voice actor of Voss. He says, thank you so much. Voss is my spirit animal. He's, well, he doesn't sound like that. He says, thank you so much. Voss is my spirit animal. Having co-created the character is something that will always be dear to me. I still get recognized as Voss, and I still feel the outpouring of love for that character. Makes me so very happy. Who knows? Maybe I will reprise my role very soon, question mark. IGN notes that the use of very soon is odd and that it might hint for a direct sequel, so uh, in the vein of Far Cry 3. It'll be interesting to see what the game, uh, where the game takes us this time around. What do you want from Far Cry 6? Let us know in the comments below. That's the part I was supposed to delete because I'm not IGN. All right, so uh, this is an interesting one because... Far Cry, obviously, you know, Crytek makes Far Cry. Far Cry 2 is kind of this weird in-between thing that people like a lot more than the first one. And then Far Cry 3 comes out, and that's really... Far Cry 3 is really like Far Cry 1. That's where the series kind of comes into, you know, what what people know it for. And I admit, Far Cry 3 is a fantastic game. It's one of the best late-generation games from the 360 era. Um, but then you get Far Cry 4, which is actually my personal favorite Far Cry. I love Far Cry 4. But I know a lot of people are like, ah, it's pretty great, but not quite as great, even though, again, I think it's a better game. But that's because that's a whole different thing we can get into in another episode. But, and then, you know, they go with the Far Cry Primal, which is the spinoff reusing the same map. And a lot of people are like, meh. And I never played it. I never even played it. I just skipped right over it. I pretended it didn't happen. And then they go, hey, boom, here's Far Cry 5. And everyone's like, whoa, Far Cry 5? You mean there's, there's five Far Cries in this one game? And then, no, it's actually about Donald Trump. No, it's not. It was never about Donald Trump. But then Kotaku gets all mad because it's not about Donald Trump. And they wish the game was about their their agenda. And they wish that they, they told the story that they wanted them to. But they actually told their own story. And that made Kotaku mad. So then the internet started saying, bad Far Cry 5. But Far Cry 5... I, actually pretty solid game as far as gameplay goes it's just as good as any other far cry but i actually do agree far cry 5 was kind of one where it's like meh it's kind of where they dropped a lot of like the latter stuff that happens in the game story-wise is lackluster to just the kind of edge of your seat insanity of far cry 3 and 4 so i i do understand the the whole like the series is waning in terms of relevancy or or excitement i think it'd be a good idea to take far cry 6 or whatever your next entry is and say all right let's roll it back let's go back to something everyone loved um to try and reinvigorate this reinvigorate this brand because far cry is actually one of ubisoft's best-selling franchises this franchise sells absurdly well uh so it's probably in their best interest to really cater to this market that being said, I don't personally love the idea of them returning to Far Cry 3. Um, I, th I don't even remember. It's been so long since I played it. I thought Voss died in that game. Maybe not. Um, so maybe they could do a prequel or something. But the point being, it's like Far Cry 3 was a really good self-contained story. Leave it alone. Don't 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 go back to that. I, I like that Far Cry 3 or that Far Cry in general as one of those like, you know, every game is a different story kind of thing. Don't don't try to retread. Just let it let it be its thing. Um don't become like creatively lazy and just rest on your laurels there, you know, with uh, going back to the same well over and over again. That being said, I think people would be very excited to go back to the Far Cry 3 environment. I think really the only way you could do it would be to make a prequel, but I just don't like the idea of that being Far Cry 6. If it were a spinoff, maybe that'd be better, but eh, let me know what you think about that. I know most people seem to go Far Cry 3 over all the others, so let me know what you think about that. I, I'm personally just like, go do an original story, go do something we haven't seen before. That's what I like about Far Cry is it's always a different setting. It's always a different villain. So I would be pretty disappointed to see more of the same. But that's going to do it for our news segment. Just for those quick little important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. We've got three of them. First one being that the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, announced over a Zoom call this past week that he will be on the cover of Madden NFL 21. He added that he is not concerned with the Madden curse by laughing off the question when asked. For those who don't know, the Madden curse is that whoever is on the cover of this year of the current year's Madden game always seems to like get injured or hurt or something in the next actual NFL season. So that's just a weird coincidence that's happened one too many times. Um, but but Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Jackson doesn't seem to give a shit. Uh, our next one here is that Bleeding Edge is about to get its first recently announced uh, additional character, Miko, the dolphin guy, but the new content won't stop there. Developer Ninja, Developer Ninja Theory has already announced that they are working on another fighter for the online brawler, as well as custom and ranked modes. Finally, another map is being worked on for the game, but unfortunately, no time frame is currently known for any of these additions. Our last one here is that 
And we're going to end on a good note. Fantasy Star 2 has officially uh, exited its beta form and launched on the Xbox One in an official capacity. The PC version of the game is expected to launch sometime next month in May. And once PC players have full access to the game, crossplay will be enabled, allowing allowing sweaty PC gamers and sweaty Xbox anime dweebs to connect and talk about furries and play Fantasy Star Online 2 together, uh, which is, like I said, a really pretty cool game that's uh, unique for Xbox that worth taking a look at. Now, before we get into the game releases of this week, I actually wanted to um, do something a little different and talk about the Xbox Game Pass editions for April, the games coming and leaving this month. So real quick, just because I feel like we never go over this, the games coming to Xbox uh, Game Pass this month for PC and P- Xbox are as follows. Elvastia Chronicles, Journey to the Savage Planet, The Long Dark, Gato Robot, Yakuza Kiwami, Deliver Us to the Moon, Hyperdot, and Levelhead. For PC only, Game Pass subscribers can look forward to Football Manager 2020, Mistover, Elvastia Chronicles, Stranger Things 3, Machinerium, and Gears Tactics, of course, which comes out in just a few days next week. Now, as for Xbox Game Pass games leaving in April on the Xbox and PC side, you've got The Book of Unwritten Tales 2, Guacamelee Super Turbo, Super Turbo Championship Edition, which is a great game you should play, MX vs. ATV Reflex, Prey, Samurai Showdown 2, The Banner Saga, Bomber Crew, Braid, Fallout 4, Full Metal Fury, Metal Slug 3, Ruiner, Silence the Whispered World, Smoke and Sacrifice, Wolfenstein the New Order, and on the PC side, you've got a PC-only Game Pass games leaving. You've got Fez, Into the Breach, Prey, and Valkyrie Chronicles. So that's going to do it for all of our new Xbox uh, Game Pass games that are coming and leaving. But now, of course, it wouldn't be an Xbox on podcast if we didn't talk about the new games coming to Xbox this week. All right, this week we've got 12 new games coming to Xbox that you can quote-unquote look forward to. Our first game here, and let me tell you all about it, our first game here is called Obey Me. This is some of that kind of uh, kinky gaming shit that you can look forward to it's out now obey me is a game where you play as of course a female a very strong and independent female and you know she's a female because despite the fact that she's in a space looking suit they put a ponytail sticking out the back because while her body cannot be exposed to the outer space regions beyond uh her hair sure as hell can and it will not be affected because again she is a she's a very uh important and awesome lead female character now she has a gun But this gun doesn't just shoot bullets, it shoots lasers. But these aren't just any lasers, these are whip lasers. She's able to whip her bad guys, she can say, obey me, and whip them with her gun laser. Again, this is a very sexual game, this is a very seductive game. It takes place in a dungeon, but it ain't no dungeon crawler. You can assume what's happening in this dungeon. Obey me, baby. So that's a gross game that's probably still rated E. And then our next game is called Gato Robato. This is a literally a black and white uh, 8-bit game. Um, there's a frog with wearing sunglasses that says, achoo, but this stupid frog doesn't realize everything's in black and white. You don't need sunglasses. There's no sunlight, you fucking dumb frog, you stupid, dumb amphibian. But nonetheless, there's a little boy who looks like he's from the Earthbound series. He's wearing the Pikmin rocket on his back, and he is just standing on a pile of blocks uh, presumably six feet away from the sneezing frog that says achoo because he indeed does not want to get uh, outer space coronavirus. Um, so that's on Game Pass, though, so you can play it for free. Uh, next, we got Brutal Rage, which is it looks like some kind of N64 beat-em-up, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, but neither, nonetheless, you play as Kurt and Mac. These are uh, these are some bartenders that work in a in a uh, a sleazy uh, sports bar, and they get off work, and Kurt and Mac have to blow off steam because they hate their jobs and they get bad tips, and then they go around punching people in the alleys. And why does it look like an N sixty four game? Because it's easier to develop a game that looks like shit. Um, but you have abilities in this game. According to the screen, you have abilities like punch, jump, kick, and catch. I assume a catch feature allows you to allows you to catch your enemies if they're falling because while you are a bad bartender, a bad boy who wants to punish bad tippers, you also want to catch them when they're down so that you can remind them that you're still there for them and that they're the assholes, not you. And then we got Guard Duty as our next game. It is This is basically 8-bit fable. Um, so you go into a town. It is very British 
It is very 300 years ago, 100 years ago, however long ago that was. And you go to Sam's previously owned, which I assume is a jewelry store, and you can buy things like swords and guns and level up your character. Now, this is like, imagine a Japanese RPG, but with the aesthetic of like uh, a Western kind of um, medieval uh, appeal. So it's like medieval times, but the JRPG. Um, so this is like medieval times, the restaurant, you can go, you can get food, you can go and cheer on your knight, uh, but you can also level up, become strong and attack other knights. You can go to Sam's previously owned. It's like Sam's club, but everything's previously owned. So you can buy some raw chicken or some, or some, um, bulk, um, earbuds or something, but everything is pre-owned. So the earbuds have wax on them. The chicken's already been eaten. It's disgusting, but that is, that is a guard duty. Our next game is called Help Will Come Tomorrow. It is about a bunch of starving Europeans in the cold winter. Our next game here is called MotoGP20. It is another motorcycle racing game. I swear there's a new one of these every week. I want to like them. I want to like them. I don't like them. But it is Xbox One X Enhanced. So goddamn the Monster Energy decals on these bikes look phenomenal. Our next game here is called Deliver Us to the Moon. More like Deliver Us to Your Mom. Uh, is a spaceman game. There's a spaceman. He's walking on the moon, and there are little craters on the moon. There is a tower, and there is a timer on the spaceman's back that says two minutes and five seconds. So it pretty much means this guy has a bomb attached to his back, and he's about to blow up and die. So that's pretty pretty fucking crazy. But hey, this is a game that is on Game Pass. So go ahead and check it out if you want to play a game about suicide bombers on the moon. Our next game here is called. Archaic, uh, Archaic, The Path of Light. This is a puzzle game, so it's it's too much for my tiny brain. Then we've got Sunless Sea, Submarine Edition. This is a submarine game where there's a monster with a lot of teeth. Your objective here is to go under the water and not into the teeth. Can you can you survive? And then our next game is called War Theater. It is a tactics game. It comes out on Friday, April 24th. If you can wait that long, it's well worth the wait. Because despite the fact that the game looks like it's running on iPhone, it is Xbox One X enhanced. Which means it will look like an Xbox One X. No, it will look like an iPhone X. Because it is enhanced. Our next game here is called Quest Hunter. uh, Where you play as a hunter and you are on a quest but the enemies that are following after you look like zombies, but not like scary zombies. These are like fat, lethargic, shirtless zombies that probably just want to kiss you. They probably don't even want to kill you. So that's pretty weird because everyone knows zombies are asexual. And then our last one here that's uh, is called uh, Quern. It is literally just a Star Wars desert planet. There's a little hut here. There's some staircases. I'm pretty sure... This is another one of those games where they just forgot to put characters in the game. So you probably just control the camera and that's about it. Um, but if you like planning, uh, playing a game where you control the camera in a part of a Star Wars game, then this is the game for you. It's probably less disappointing than anything Star Wars that EA has put out in recent years. Uh, and that's going to do it for our games this week. Remember, as always, Games of Gold, this is your final week of April here. Get Project Cars 2. It's only available through the end of the month. Uh, Knights of the Pen and Paper Bundle, you got that shit till May 15th, so so chill out, you, you got time. On the 360 side, Fable Anniversary, fuck you, you already missed it. Toy Box Turbos, you, you got till April 30th, so there's still time, so there's still time. You got one week roughly left, go ahead and download that shit. That's going to do it for our show. Download those games. Uh, hey, uh, on a serious note, I know we have fun here. Please go ahead and rate my show five stars on iTunes. I had someone ask me, do you need to rate every episode of the show on iTunes or do you just rate the show on iTunes? I'm glad you asked. Um, you just got to rate the show. So it's one time rating only just search Xbox on, on the iTunes store. And then you'll see me there. Also big issue. I meant to mention this at the top of the show. I should have, because now only like the last two people who listen all the way through the end of the show are going to hear it. But I recently discovered this week, maybe I'll mention it again next week, but I recently discovered this week, Xbox On is already a thing. Now, when I came up with a name for this podcast, which I thought was very clever, I, I Googled it. I looked around, I tried to, or I binged it. I don't use Google, I'm not a heathen. But I, I looked it up, I tried to see, is there something called Xbox On? Is there another podcast? Is there a YouTuber? Is there a website? Is there anything called Xbox On? Do I have entitlement to this name? And at the time, I thought there wasn't, but guess what? This past week, I found a fucking YouTube page from, like, the UK or some shit called Xbox On, and guess what? They have a bunch more subscribers and viewers than I do, so I'm the one who looks like the copycat, not them, and I think they've been around longer than I have, but I swear to God I didn't know about them, but the only thing that gives me any leverage over them is that they are they are European, so you gotta believe me. 
I am the original Xbox on, not these fucking fools. Please, if you don't have the time to rate my show five stars, go ahead, look these guys up on the internet and downvote all their videos. They're trash. They're probably PS. Hey, you guys want to perpetuate the console wars? These are probably PlayStation players in disguise. And we all, hey, remember how much we hate PlayStation guys, right? We're Xbox. We don't like those guys. So downvote their videos, upvote mine, rate me five stars. Yeah, but other than that, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I've been on Twitter for a while now. I'm at CEC Florida. I am a Chuck E. Cheese enthusiast. I basically go around to Chuck E. Cheese locations across the nation and film their animatronics um, before the uh, corporate office rips them all out of the restaurants and we're left with just the dance floors and the puppet characters. So, as always, thank you so much for your time. Eric is going to play us out now with a really nice song. I hear this is a new one. He says he's experimenting with some thrash metal, so I hope you enjoy these new tunes from Mr. Eric. Eric? Thank you.